ville en fête et en délire Suffocant sous le soleil et sous la joie You are tuned into listener-supported community radio KBOO Portland This is KBOO Portland, Oregon It's alarming how charming it is to be a farming. That's what they go on to say there mm. in the song. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Good morning. This is Glenn Andreessen here beside you now until 12 noon. And beside me on his home turf, representing the home team, <laughs> is Jim Gilbert. Out here in the liberal nook, we decided to call it. Because, That's a good way to put it. Yeah, because we're, we are a little bit of a frost pocket here, Glenn. And, and uh, so nook, you know, like it's kind of a nice word. Well, it is. And I imagine that there's more uh, fewer liberals than others around, too. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, so well, we're trying to populate it, but it was so far, it's, been, it's a long challenge. Okay. So. Well, welcome to the Dirt Bag, a program dedicated to edible gardening. Across from us, across the table, is Joe Wilson of Bergman Productions, our ace engineer. And boy, is he does he know his stuff. Yep. And he's got the equipment now. It's uh, have board, will travel. <laughs> That's right. If you have any recording needs, Joe could probably just about anything. I would I would imagine you're doing podcasts. You're doing music recordings. You do live music recording. I bet. Oh yeah, he says. He and I are working on a documentary, oh. two documentaries actually. So not only just recording, but filming. Yep. Yes. Yep. Okay. Well, that's Joe Wilson, Bergman Productions. You Berg, can, uh, it, what's the BergmanProductions.com? Yep. Cool. Well, let's run down our our program for today. We've got our plant of the month, peas. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention here, because I was. Uh, reminded by our theme song it, when he says uh, now I'm a farmer and I'm digging 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 uh, uh, no 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 it's a little too early to dig yet in the soil mm, yeah yep mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. don't a little don't, wet yeah that's right you can do more harm than good by digging in wet soil unless of course you have uh, excellent soil tilth which we probably both have in our gardens and farms. You know, when I lived up at Hood River, up in the mountains, which I started the nursery, that soil was like, it wasn't sand, but it was volcanic soil, and mm-hmm. you, it could rain hard, hard, and the next day you could go out and dig yeah. it. But this soil here, you couldn't do that. Well, oftentimes, seed packets will say, plant as soon as soil can be worked, which doesn't do me any good, because that could be pretty much year-round, unless it's frozen. Mm-hmm. I've got pretty good soil. Yeah, There's no substitute for good soil. Now, let's see. We'll continue on with the rundown of our show, our plant of the month, peas. By the end of February, beginning of March, it would be time to plant peas. And what I might recommend to do now, and I'll get to this when we talk about our plant of the month, is to start thinking about getting ready to plant peas. And what I will do soon is to put down some pieces of glass panes of glass just over the soil so it will warm up and dry out a little bit 
then when it's time to plant, I will remove those glass panes and plant, prepare and plant, and then put the panes back. More on that later. We will talk about pruning kiwi and grapes. This is the time to do that, which will tie in with our musical selections for today. At half past the hour, the answer to last week's Garden Stumper and a new one, followed by what's going on in the garden and the farm, respectively. And also one of, maybe it's the earliest flowering fruit, or at least fruit tree. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, fruit tree. Yeah. Is it mm-hmm. flowering? It's flowering now. It started in the middle of January, some varieties. Okay. Yeah. And that's the uh, Japanese flowering plum. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Our Dirtbag Dictionary is going to be tied in with the answer to last week's puzzler, which last month's, which was what is water core? And a part four in our short history of Oregon's land use planning will come up with the gem at the end there. And of course, what's annoying me, and I will take care of that right off the bat after I comment on last month's annoyance, which was I had two, actually, the, the double penalty for the safety in football, plus the tiebreaker mechanism in, in place for soccer. And I was somewhat taken to task, but also I learned a lot from one of our erudite listeners who has a good background in soccer, and he pointed out that not all soccer games end this way. Most of them if it's a tie, they end in a tie, which I knew. I just hadn't <clears throat> really thought about that. But he said the tiebreaker is used for important games. <laughs> and that just proved my point right there, that my annoyance still remains. He said, you know, 99% of the games do end in ties. But anyway, I, I offered even some suggestions on how that the uh, rather than just have penalty kicks, which is when one player kicks into the net or into the uh, goal, and hopefully the goalie doesn't block it. But essentially, it's just a guess. The goalie jumps one way and the kicker goes the other way or something like that. I said, well, what about two on two? Just have two players play against two players trying to score against a goalie or one on one or two on one even, you know, just something where you have skill besides luck. All right. Anyway, that's my comment on that comment, but I do uh, I did appreciate that comment uh, that the uh, that the listener wrote in about and I learned a lot. I'm I'm sticking Jim, you have a comment on my comment on the comment? Well, well I no, I, well I was just happy that a listener wrote in. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that we we, we do want to encourage our listeners to write. Yeah. And Joe, our ace engineer, has suggested that it's easy and we would be happy to play a voice memo on on the air. So if you record it on your phone and the mechanism is there where you just email it to us and that would be thedirtbag at kboo.org and we will play it with your voice and then we will answer it. So that would be either even more like live recording. It'd be fun. Yeah, that'd yeah. be great. So maybe we'll try that. I'll, I'll, call, I'll record one for Joe. 
And I think it's also good to mention uh, the last last show we talked about on the, on the website, we put up a list of seed sources. Yep. And it's still there. Uh, and it would really be a, a great opportunity for you to go and find some really good garden seeds. This is the time of year to be yeah. doing that. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I was reminded by my partner, Lorraine, um, that she's been she's really into it she really she's uh, and, and internationally the united states is is well known for its diversity of seed the the garden uh-huh. seeds that are available here are are amazing so uh those sites those sites we mentioned are some of them. there's more than that of course Certainly. Someday, someday we'll maybe we'll have a chance to bring some more to your attention but anyway it's a, it's a lot of fun uh, growing your own vegetables and and then eating them and those those sources are listed on the the uh, last month's the January shows blurb mm. or whatever they call it these days. So you go to listing. The, you go to the website and then you yeah. Cable go to the programs and then uh, for Wednesdays you mean on the dirt bag they're cool. they're listed there. Cool, great. Okay, well uh, no events that we know of do we? <laughs> We're it, baby. Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. your event. Yeah. Uh, there, there are some that are that that are happening, and I think they will happen. You know, with these the new cases going down, you know, things are looking up. You know, mm-hmm. we're not there, but it could be worse. Let's put it that way. It has been worse last yeah. month. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's a if there. I heard some. I haven't followed it, and I and I should actually a garden show. Used to, you know the. Portland Home and Garden Show. I don't know if that's happening this year. I heard or I saw one advertised at the Expo Center, and it the only thing might have been like landscaping, mm. you, you know, home improvement and something in landscaping or something like that. Not really any gardening uh, centric <laughs> shows. And yeah. of course, the Yard Garden and Patio Show ended some years ago. Some yeah. years ago before yeah. Yeah. Uh, the pandemic. Well, like I said, it will be time to plant peas. Uh, some books and advice givers will say, you know, plant peas now. You know, mid-February. Eh. My rule of thumb is I don't, I don't even try to plant until after March first. There's been snow. I've had peas in, and then it snows on them. But of course, with my method that I started, that I briefly mentioned about having the the glass panes, or it can be plexiglass, or probably just even plastic over the top of the, the planted seed will do wonders for, for germination. And that's the, the problem that we, that we face planting too early is that the seeds, before they germinate, will just rot. Yeah, out here in our, uh, in our liberal nook, uh, we had several, several days just recently where temperatures were in the low, low 20s, 21 we got down to a couple yeah. nights. And, uh, and what the reason, and so I'm out walking around doing some work in mid-afternoon and my feet are just getting covered with mud because the ground is frozen down below and, the, and it thaws out on the surface and then that oh, all, that just gets all over my shoes. You know, it's like, a, so it, the ground is cold. Yeah. It, it would not be a good time to plant stuff. But, right. right now. And that's what, that's how the, the, the glass panes, and, and these are, you know, six inches wide or maybe eight inches wide. I have several old uh, glass panes from windows that, you know, the small paned windows type thing. That, mm-hmm. And they, you know, every year one or two breaks and I have, <laughs> have less. more work to do to <laughs> clean it up. But yes, but I still have enough to cover my, my, my row. I prefer peas 
the sugar pod peas that are you eat not only the shell but the, the not only the pod or the pea but the pod too yep. and and I prefer those to the snow peas which have been around for generations the flat pod that you eat everything but the the podded or the peas in the pod the fat peas in the pod are are delicious you know you get more oh yeah more bang for your buck yeah and I, I prefer pole for the reason that I just don't have unlimited space and you get better production from that but it does require trellising not a big deal uh, I usually run string up and down but you can also uh, I've grown them in the past on a, a wire mesh trellis but the problem that I was having at that point and this has been you know, probably 15 years since I've done this I used to use old concrete reinforcing wire about six inch squares or something like that and the birds I think they were the English uh, sparrows at the time would perch on the the metal uh, horizontal uh, things and they would eat the the pea leaves <laughs> you know I'd see them out there just chewing away on them. you know they, they would do more damage than the slugs Wow and so then I went to the the vertical st strings <laughs> and that's worked very well the the if you're growing pole peas they you know they'll send out the little tentacles that will wrap around them but if if there's too much that's not if there's too much growth they say a foot or two feet even sometimes where the tentacles aren't wrapped around the strings they can fall over in wind and or water and kink themselves and so then no good there too so maybe just a little bit more on the planting of these seeds like I said if you cover the soil early <clears throat> and I might also recommend baiting putting down sluggo or another iron phosphate based slug bait before you plant any seeds you'll warm the soil and the slugs will not have anything to even uh, to nosh on except the slug bait and so get it down get them out get you know knock out those slugs as much as possible early so keep the the cover the glass panes down maybe a couple of weeks and then march 1st or whenever uh, prepare your your row I usually add some fertilizer uh, and uh, compost and uh, mix it in just with the, the hoe and plant the seeds, you know, half an inch deep or something, cover it up, and then put the paint on. And as, you know, as soon as you see the, the seeds germinating, then you can take the paint off. But in, in the meantime, as, just to repeat here, that, that glass pane is... is not only allowing the soil to warm up uh, a la uh, greenhouse but also it prevents the cold cold rains from c cooling the soil mm -hmm. and so you'll have much better generation mm -hmm. of course you can plant uh, pull, uh what are the other one bush peas but i just prefer the the pole mm -hmm. yeah they're really good and those sugar snap peas are, are yeah. so, so wonderful in stir fries i mean it's just yeah, yeah. really love it i have i, I want to just tell you something so it's funny as a thought of uh, when I, I probably learned this when i was a kid and i'm now telling my grandkids this funny little rhyme peas porridge hot peas porridge cold 
peas porridge in the pot nine days old. Some like it hot, some like it cold, some like it in the pot nine days old. I've heard that, <laughs> but but nine days old. Woo. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> that's what caught my ear. Yeah, some somebody likes it that way apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and whatever peas porridge is anyway, who knows? Yeah, I just such a it's a really cute rhyme. Yeah. All right. Well, you have. Grandkids, two, four, and six. Two, four, and six, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're going to see them soon. Yep. yep. Okie dokie. Well, let us get into then our music selection here. And the, the, the common uh, theme here is, is twofold. One, it, it all has to do with waiting or don't wait. And the don't waiting part has to do with the pruning. It's time to get on it. Yep. Yeah, these... I've, crocuses are blooming. You know, it's time. And the, 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 actually, I haven't checked closely, but I wouldn't be surprised if the grapes' buds are swelling a little bit too. Are they on the kiwis? Grapes are pretty late, aren't they? I mean, they're later than, I think they're later than kiwi. When they, the buds swell? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty I usually do it in February. Really? Yep. Yeah. yeah. In terms of pruning, yeah, sure. I mean, kiwi is still dormant. Yeah. But, but well, and even with grapes, you can prune even if the buds are swelling. Yeah. But anyway, that was my uh, <clears throat> theme here is that mm-hmm. don't wait to get that on. There. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, do wait <laughs> for digging your soil. That's right. right. So the first in, in, uh, s- song that we have here is uh, Don't Wait. And uh, boy, got the wrong. <laughs> Everything is wrong here. <laughs> well, I can remember who they are. Uh, I think the first one is John Cale, or J.J. Cale. Yeah. All right, don't wait. J.J. Kale, don't wait. It's from an, I think it's an anthology called Anyway the Wind Blows. <laughs> 
Okay, well, it's time not only to prune, just it's about time to prune anything. Tree-wise, and if you're if you're doing the dormant pruning, uh, most of the time I do summer pruning for my other things, and and spring pruning for other things. Hardly do any pruning now, except for my grapes. But Jim will talk about kiwi. I'll talk a little bit about grapes, and then we'll give a few pointers on pruning of fruit trees too, because it's time. Don't wait on that. Yep, definitely time. Uh, well, and one of the things that's interesting about all the stuff we've talked about over the years, my my goal and our nursery's goal has been to try to make fruit growing easy for people. So, plants that you know you can you you don't have to spray. Hopefully, uh, you have minimal disease problems. Uh, so well adapted to our climate here in the Pacific Northwest. That's been really important. Well, one thing you do need to do uh, if you really want to get good crops is to do some pruning. Mm-hmm. Because trees, like all other living things, love to grow, and they'll uh, they'll get bigger and bigger and denser and denser, and uh, and that's not the best thing to do for fruit. So, um, kiwis, uh, probably I'm sure there's probably some listeners that have them, and there's uh, two types that grow really really vigorously. Uh, one type that doesn't so much, uh, but the, today we'll I'm gonna talk about the two vigorous ones because they're the ones that need to get pruned. And uh, one we call, we've always called hardy kiwi. Some people call them kiwi berries or so forth, but uh, it's a hardy kiwi vine that uh, doesn't have fuzz on the fruit. The fruit is small, uh, smaller than a regular kiwi, but very delicious. And and, and, and usually so, not in the, the bigger grocery stores, or maybe they are these days. But it's much more challenging to find. You can in you, some of the smaller You can, you can find the, the fuzzy kiwis. Yeah, more likely. But these are different one that Jim is talking about here. Yeah, you know, places like uh, uh, New Seasons and the co-ops and so forth, you can usually get the hardy kiwi in, uh-huh. in the early fall. But the fuzzy kiwi, which is what we call the other one, is a much bigger fruit. But um, both of them are very vigorous vines. And uh, I would imagine there's probably more than one listener that might have one of those and is wondering, what the heck am I going to do with this thing? <laughs> Or yeah. with these things, because or, generally there's more than one. Yeah, and usually you plant two because you need a male and a female, and and uh, so it's not uncommon for new growth if the plant has a reasonable amount of water and the soil is not totally infertile, to have a new growth of eight feet or more. You know, big long canes come shooting out; and they just go happy and grow like mad, and mm-hmm. and uh, pretty soon you you can have quite the quite the uh, spect- spectacle of kiwi vine in your yard. So, so pruning is a is a is a significant process, and and uh, you have to what the best way to do it to keep in mind that all that new growth that came out last year, uh, the simplest thing to do is just to cut it all back. Now, no, you can you can be uh, you can do more pruning than that, but the basic thing is that it, those new shoot with the kiwi bears fruit on the wood that grew last year, and and it bears that fruit at the, on the basal buds, the ones at the base of that shoot. So, so let's just just make sure that our listeners are all up to speed here. Mm-hmm. So, when you say that the kiwi kiwis, the fruit will grow on last year's growth. We need to make sure that it's only, or to, they understand that it's only last year's growth. That's right. So if you don't prune at all, where are the kiwis going to be? Well, you'll get you'll get more growth, and you'll get kiwis if you don't prune at all, because it, those new shoots will still bear fruit. It's going to be at the ends of these 
uh, canes, you know, uh, the, 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 la- the last year's growth cane will become, yeah. will become last year's growth next year. Right. I mean, two years from now, and then you'll have new growth, but you'll have shorter ones coming out from, from the, the last year's growth cane. And, yeah. and that's where your fruit will be the following year. But you will have minimal. You'll have less fruit eventually because the, because they're shading each other yes. and and, the, and there's no vigor anymore. They get less vigorous as they well, get. and the, and the vines would just be out of control essentially. Yeah, just big dense dense vines and and long, and you might collapse your trellis. Yeah, there's all sorts <laughs> of things could happen. So <laughs> okay, so that so that just so we picture it at sure. the beginning of you know my gardening of things decades ago, you know that was a little hard to just a picture that hmm. oh so it's only on the new growth right. where you're going to have fruit unlike for example apples where they spurs can, and, uh, right they can bear fruit on the same spurs for a decade or two or three yeah right and and so you know, a big mistake with kiwi would be to go in and just cut it back to the trunk i mean just keep cutting way back you'll you, you'll you'll make a, a smaller plant but you won't have any fruit so you have to leave uh, the basal part of those shoots that grew last year. And generally speaking, if you cut that eight foot shoot back to three feet, the buds, the, the remaining buds will be pretty happy and will make a nice little crop of fruit for you. Would you recommend three feet or even shorter? Well, you know, two minimum, I mean, two maximum. You, you got to leave enough buds to have fruit. Well, I meant feet. Know. Yeah. Three feet. Three, you said yeah, three feet. Yeah. So could you go back one foot if there were two buds in there? You could, but you're gonna that that's gonna be hurting your fruit production. It's different than a oh, grape. Oh, a gra- oh, okay, okay, yeah. A grape will a grape is different as you will talk about. But, okay, but for kiwi, you got to leave more of the basal buds. So, got it. I would say two feet at the, at the minimum, and three feet probably okay too. Somewhere so, in that range. So this is and this is a key difference between kiwis and grapes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Because with grapes, the, we can compare and contrast here. With grapes, you could cut it back to even six inches, and if there were two buds left there, or even one bud, two, you, one might die still. Yep. From that one bud left on a grape, that will grow long. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can grow twenty feet if you have the right type grape, and there will be grapes uh, along that whole thing. Right. So that's a difference. Yep. That, well, okay. With kiwi, it's you you you, you get several fruit on each shoot that comes out from those buds but but it doesn't they don't continue to grow out and become long you'll get what will happen is you will have other buds that will grow and make the big long shoot for the following year mm-hmm. so it's a uh, uh, but i think if i think if you any, any all of you listeners who have kiwis and you either figure this out or you'll go out and look and you'll see you, this will become apparent after you after you start pruning them and then you'll see what they do next year and then you'll watch mm-hmm. and see the how the fruit gets produced and and both the fuzzy kiwi and the hardy kiwi have this same growth habit very a very vigorous shoots and and both really basically can get pruned the same way and is it both the female and male that gets pruned the same way yeah you can prune less of the male because the male is not going to bear fruit and it's mainly there for the flowers so i would prune the male more for just keeping it to being too wild Hmm. and prune the female more severely do do a harder pruning on the female than on the male okay in general speaking mm-hmm. um and it 
I think it's important to do that pruning now. You want to do it before the plant starts to grow or even gets thinking about growing. <laughs> because if, if it starts to, if, if things are warming up and it, it feels like it's time, it will, then you prune it, you will get a fair amount of bleeding, you know, sap flow out of that cut spot. Uh -huh. Some people think it's no big deal, but I don't like it. And so I like to prune them when they're fully dormant. And, and this cool weather we've been having is great. I mean, it's keeping everything you know, calm and yeah. so forth, but you know, it will stop eventually and it will warm up. So this is a good time to, really good time to do it. Okay. And you know, for planting kiwis, I mentioned, you know, the trellis, you do need a sturdy trellis. Mm -hmm. Yes, they can. You yep. know, they can put on a lot of fruit. Yeah, a, a female plant can bear a hundred pounds or more. Yeah, that's quite a bit. So, so a yeah. little bit of twine is not going to no. Do a couple it. of little bamboo stakes or something. <laughs> 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 yeah, usually four by sixes with six two by six cross arms. Uh, make make it strong. It will yeah. it will reward you in the in the long term. To and, have you know, it. the structure it becomes part of the structure of your garden. Mm -hmm. so. and, and if you and, and if you make it up six feet tall or more, which it should be, <clears throat> then you can sit underneath it in hot sunny days. Is it pretty easy to sex the the plants? Not until they bloom. Oh, so when you buy one, how do how do you know? Well, you take the word of the nursery. Oh, I see. You know, that's really the only way you can do it. Because the, the cuttings are taken from a known male plant? Is that yeah, how? That's right. We, uh, we propagate male plants and female plants. Okay. And, yeah. That's when we keep, we keep, actually use different color tags and different color pots, and we do a pretty rigorous oh, job of yeah. keeping them separate. Uh, but yeah, until they flower, and then the... Uh, the flowers have a different, they look quite different. And if I have some of our old catalogs, One Green World catalogs had photos of those flowers. I don't know if the current one does or not. Uh -huh. but, uh, but we used to tell people how to tell them apart because once in a while people would have a, two females or two males and they'd be asking us, how come I'm yeah. not getting any fruit? Right. Yeah. I got these plants are blooming and <clears throat> what's going on here? Okay, so get those sharp, go, your pruners sharpened. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> which will tie right in for our, our garden stumper, That's which right. will come right up after my, just a little bit more on grape pruning. <clears throat> the, the, just keep in mind for grapes, the rule of thumb is that you're pruning off 90% of the previous year's growth. That's a lot. That's a lot. And it makes it easy. You just, okay, I'm taking it back all the way back to where it started last year, but I want to, but not all the way back. I'm going to leave, say, two buds per cane and the rule of thumb further is about 60 buds per plant which i of course don't leave that few you know i probably have 100 or more mm -hmm. just because it's hard to prune off so much plus you know there's some that aren't going to be viable or you know they die from heat or a cold or frost or something like that even still in the month of february but you'll never grapes are hardy Mm -hmm. They live for 75 years probably. <clears throat> and as just to repeat a little bit there, so it would be okay, you know, when I prune, if you, if you have a permanent uh, cordon, you know, say something that's going across overhead on the trellis, last year you'll have growth that's come out all along that. And some of those are going to be, like I said, up to 20 feet long, you know, some may be five feet. And, <clears throat> excuse me, on each of those, take it back to you know six inches or so leaving 
one or two buds, but no more. And you might cut some of them off completely just because you don't need that many buds of, of these long canes from last year's growth. And if you leave 60 buds, you're going to have a good, um, a good combination or ratio of buds to sunlight, we'll say. So your fruit isn't going to get shaded, mm-hmm. which is a big thing too with grapes. You just have so much. So that's it. And then a little bit on fruit tree pruning. I mean, now's the time. Or now it's, you know, February is the last month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in my, you know, going back to that idea of what of keeping things easy, uh, again, yeah. uh, there's some just basic pruning things you can do. You don't need to be an expert at it, but if there's, you know, things like crossing or broken branches, mm-hmm. removing those, uh, cutting the tree, if the tree is really is growing straight up and getting quite tall, you, you know, it's heading it back. Yeah, um, and, and we made... We had some comments on that last year, uh, last month that I remember now, mm-hmm. too. Just what I do is step back, look, you know, well, I want to take out the tallest branch of this and take it back, you know, not necessarily to the first crotch or the, the second, but maybe the third, you know, which would be a pretty good size prune. Yeah. But, but so be it. Yeah. That's when it's dormant, the plant can, can handle it. I've sort of come to the point, especially at this point in my life, that I, I don't, I, I, I like ladders. I like, to, I like to look at them, but I don't really like to get on them. That well, that's much. right. We were going to talk about ladders this month. I forgot to write it down. So. Uh, yeah. But right. maybe next month there. Sure. Right. And, and, you know, and, and, and yeah, just a quick mention, I mean, we use a, a regular pruning ladders here, which not, don't have four feet, have three feet. And, oh. and, the, and just the, the concept of a ladder, if you, if you want to get, if you, if you want to have a really nice ladder for doing some pruning, uh, a, a, an orchard ladder is what you want. Yeah. The three foot kind, because yeah. it's actually more stable than having four feet. Because the three feet uh, works really well. And, but I just want to caution anybody. I've had too many friends who have fallen off of ladders yeah. and gotten badly hurt. Uh, be very careful. Make sure your ladder is stable and don't reach way out somewhere. It's yeah. like, oh gosh, if I could just get that other branch out there, you know, or that other piece of fruit. It's only about three more feet. I just stretch <laughs> out there, and then, oh man, yeah, it's not good. So, well, that's just another reason to to you know get the most dwarfing. That's right. One can of, that, of any type. That's yeah. right. That's right. Then and sort of my rule of thumb these days when I go out and I do signwood collection, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, you know, if I can't reach it, and I'm almost six, I used to be taller, you know. <laughs> yeah. But you know, if I reach reach up as high as I can go, and I can't get to that wood I'm trying to cut, the tree's too tall, and I'm going to cut it back for more severely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we need to move on. Good information there, though. So don't delay. Let's go ahead and do our uh, second musical break, and then we'll come back with the the stumper. All right, this is from, I believe it was Madeline Perot. Is that, I mean, you never just saw the thing. So anyway, it's called Don't Wait Too Long. i 
It may rain, it may shine. Melon Perot. Don't wait too long. <laughs> That's right. And let's see. Oh, it's time for the stumper. Okay, Jim, you're on the spot. Well, you're going to do the one from last time first? Oh, or? that's right. That's right. Yes, that's right. Okay. Well, the uh, question was last month, and we got no responses. So in that case, we had nobody who won a free tool sharpening at Coley Farm Store. Those dull pruners will stay dull for another month. Yes, but there's another chance. That's right. Last month's was uh, pretty simple. What is water core? Well, it's, this is pretty interesting here. I'm going to read it here to you. It's not a disease, but instead occurs when the ratio of nitrogen to calcium is too high. The transparent appearance results from a retention of water and one of the fruit sugars around the core or throughout the flesh of an apple. Have you ever... You've, you have, yeah, water core. Sure. Right. And it's, it's this translucent part rather than a opaque flesh. Mm -hmm. It's translucent. You know, it's a little uh, yellowy, maybe a little brownie, so to speak. You're doing a heck of a job. <laughs> apples with water core are quite safe to eat and will be sweeter than apples of the same variety without this condition. In Japan, these apples are preferred and highly prized. Some commercial growers in Washington are producing apples with water core to cater to the desire for these sweeter apples. A slight amount of water core will have little effect on storage, but more severely affected fruit will tend to become brown over time. To prevent water core, reduce, but don't eliminate the amount of nitrogen fertilizer to your tree. This will help to bring the nitrogen and calcium into a better balance. It's also important to harvest your apples as soon as they mature to reduce the accumulation of excess sugar. I never fertilize my fruit trees with nitrogen, but they can use calcium. And they should get probably a little more of calcium because that leads to bitter pit, a lack of calcium. Bitter pit, which are these punky uh, pieces in, in apples. Hmm. Have you seen that? So Anyway, that's, that's water core. And like I said, we got no, not only did we get no correct answers, but we got no answers. Well, all right, listeners. Yes, your task <laughs> right. is to listen carefully to Jim's Get those coming garden stumper and write to us at the dirt bag at kboo.org. You can also, yes, the voice memo. Yeah, that'd be fun. Record it, send it to that same address, the dirt bag at kboo.org. Yeah. Okay, so the okay. February garden stumper. Yeah, all right. So. Um, this is an easy one. Okay, well, so, that's what we need, I guess. Yeah, yeah we, we give people a break, you know, from the tougher ones. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so so I was thinking about this because, um, you know, this is the time of year that plants are blooming. And, you know, even though probably bees are still pretty asleep, they're they're starting to think about getting out there. Well, and doing If some, it's honeybees, they, they come out every day of the year if it's warm enough. Yeah. So as we all know uh, and have experienced, bees love to pollinate plants and fruiting plants and there's other insects that do it as well besides mason bees even flies and do that sort of thing and uh, a, a lot of our fruiting plants are pollinated by by those insects however there are some that are pollinated by a different means 
And uh, the question for the Garden Stumper this time, for all of you listeners out there, is what does that other mean? And give us an example. Okay. The Dirt Bag at KBOO.org. And the winner gets their a tool sharpened. That's right. A, a hand tool, including pruners, loppers, shears, shovels, hose. This from Coley Farm Store on uh, 42nd and Alberta Street in Portland, Northeast Portland. It's a pretty good deal. It is. And boy, do sharp tools make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've been doing a lot of pruning lately. Yeah. And, and, uh, do you take really... time to sharpen them yourself or just yeah. get another pair? Yeah, I get yeah. I, I, my pruners. I don't sharpen them super often, but, you yeah. know, probably every every week. You know, I'm That's doing... pretty often by my standards, you know, which is every decade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I probably am exaggerating slightly, but yeah. sounds good. More than once a season, probably. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Okay. Yeah, it does matter there, so. Yeah. Okay, well, you said that you've been busy on the farm gathering scion wood from the ground. Yeah, it, this, uh, this is kind of an interesting subject because it also, uh, in the past, when, we, when the Home Orchard Society was functioning, we would be getting close to the spring propagation fair and people oh, yeah. would be thinking about grafting and making your own fruit trees. <clears throat> and you know, with all these things that have happened, unfortunately, there's no more Home Orchard Society and there's no spring propagation fair and there's no scion wood to be had in that, from that method. But... Yeah. Uh, there is still rootstock available for sale, and you can go and buy it. From I know Run Green World sells it. I'm sure other nurseries sell rootstock. Mm-hmm. And if you'd like to make your own fruit tree, the thing to do is to go out and get the cyan wood off the tree. So uh, that for an apple is pretty simple. You know, just basically what we're doing right now is we're pruning, but our pruning is uh, here at the nursery is largely based upon making cyan wood for next year's propagation and what we want are nice one-year shoots that are pencil size or a little bit bigger than just one year and then we last year's growth last year's growth and we take that off and we we in our case take lots of them off and we sort them out and we put them in plastic bags and put them in the cooler and store them until grafting time comes which is more like March, you know, or a little early mid-March. And then mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. if you leave the shoot on the tree till that long, then it's starting to grow, and then it won't. The grafting process is not won't work if it's already the shoot's already starting to grow. It grows faster than the healing can occur and uh, desiccates. And, oh, that's yeah. that's the uh, main reason there. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So there, there's still. You know, we're recording in early February here. And the trees are still dormant. Everything's dormant, dormant yeah. yeah. Except yeah. for a couple. But <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but, but you've already gathered the sign wood on those, presumably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 it's you know, so I've been working personally, I've been collecting cyan wood from persimmon trees. Oh. Uh, I've been doing a lot of that, almost finished now. And I'll start on jujube next. How and, many uh cyan collections from persimmon would you say you've taken? Oh gosh, probably Actual actual science themselves probably two to three thousand. Goodness, you must have some good calluses on your uh, pruning hand there. Uh, Well, you know I've got pruners. We talked about pruners in the previous show. You know my my Baco pruners are just 
trucking away. And, they're Rocco. And they're Rocco. They're <laughs> Your Baccos are Rocco. Yeah. <laughs> they're really good. I, don't, I was wondering if the Cully Farm Store might sell those. I hope they do, but somebody should nearby. I yeah. bought these mail order, but yeah. my latest pair. Well, um, check that out. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so that's what we've been doing is, is collecting cyan wood and, and storing it, and then we'll be grafting it as the the opportune time comes for yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Plus, uh, one thing I also wanted to mention that's kind of fun about uh, growing your own fruit is that I am still eating fruit. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. have I have uh, apples in the cooler that uh, I get nice. every couple of days. I go grab a handful of them and then I put them on my cereal, and you know they're yeah, that'd be pretty nice. Still in good shape. <clears throat> we long ago ate all ours up, but we did have a squash. Been uh-huh. eating on a squash that just cooked up a couple of days ago. Yeah, we've we've been doing squash here, and it's amazing uh, how long winter squash will keep. I just it blows me. Certain away. ones, certain, certain ones, ones they're not nearly as good as say the butternut, but yeah, but it's an amazing food source through all the winter. Yeah, you know? yeah. So yeah, and, and so that's so that was just something. It's not really part of the nursery production, but but eating the fruit just gives yeah. me you know kind of encourages me to go out and prune those trees. Yeah, and, you know, keep them in good shape. And yeah, so forth. Right. We're also also this time of year. Amazingly, we're, there's a great demand for fruiting plants. Uh, I, I think I read somewhere Lorraine actually mentioned to me that some there's some statistic that 18 million people started gardening in the pandemic that yeah. hadn't gardened oh, yeah. before. And the theory and the the the, the theory is that 75 percent of them will continue to do so. Uh, and and we have seen this with just the sales of nursery stock. So I. And I, and I think in mentioning that, I that's something that listeners should pay attention to because if you want to get fruit trees and vines and shrubs, don't wait. Yeah. <laughs> you know, get them and soon because they, be, they might be out of stock. Yeah. Then, of course, you buy them pretty much locally so you don't have to worry about supply chain issues too much. That's right. That's right. I mean, so far we're okay as long as we can, you know, get the plants into yeah. onto a vehicle of some sort and You're take right. them to a garden center. And, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, in the garden, there's not uh, just some pruning. Well, you know, I'll be doing my grapes soon, and then planting peas. But uh, and and probably starting some things inside. But I still have to order some more seeds, so that'll be what I'll be doing there. So, mm-hmm. well, uh, while we're st- talking about on the farm, let's just mention the uh, Japanese flowering oh, plum. Yeah, Prunus mume is the Latin name for that, and. And some people probably heard of umabashi plum, sort of a pickled plum that's very popular in Japan. Um, There's also some alcoholic drinks made from that fruit. But it's a really interesting plant uh, because it starts to bloom so early and the flowers are fragrant. Mm. Um, I mean, I walk around the nursery and I'm like, what is that wonderful fragrance? And it's, you know, there's a konkobai, which is one of the varieties that we have. Pink flowers, beautiful plant. Uh, just happy, blooming away. I, I'm a little worried. Uh, you know, having after have we had 21 degrees? How that's going to serve the, oh. the how that will work out? The, yeah. the, but what I've noticed is that the the uh, they have dormant. They have still have buds that haven't opened. So the the bloom time is over quite a long period, and hopefully those later ones will be yeah. happening. Will be blooming when it's not so cold. That's a good mechanism by the plant to not all bloom all at once. Yep. 
Yep. And one thing that we've done with this fruit, uh, that's that the fruit is not, it's like a, it's a Japanese flowering apricot, but unfortunately it's not a true apricot. Mm. Or fortunately, because it does grow here. Yeah. <laughs> it's a true apricot yeah. has a lot of problems. But what we do is we take this fruit and, and we, we cut it up uh, and we put it in, a, we make syrup from it by cutting it up oh. and putting it in a jar with sugar. Uh, and I might have mentioned this on a previous show. Yeah, I think you have, yeah. So you take this fruit, you have a half and half fruit, half sugar, and over a period of a month in the refrigerator, the sugar will pull the juice out of the fruit and, and you pour off that juice, which, by, which now is mixed with sugar, and it's this most wonderfully flavored syrup. Yeah, well, you can't go wrong with 50% sugar. Yeah, hardly. And then, it, and, and then take that syrup and put a little bit in a glass and put, add some carbonated oh. mineral water. And, and it's rejuvenating. Better than a Coke. <laughs> well, I don't know how hard you have to try it for that, but... <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I, uh, I just want to mention before we get into the short, to your part four of the uh, land use planning, I didn't mention my new annoyance for the month. And it's not so much an, an annoyance as an, an acknowledgement that somebody else also must have had my annoyance, or at least the inequity of it. And once again, I'm going to do a uh, college sports. This has to do with college sports and the red shirts, red shirt season. Now, just for the non-sports people, red shirt is when the, the player Presumably, it came about because they would wear a red shirt or they could practice with the team, but they wouldn't play in any games to preserve their season eligibility for the following year or the next four years or whatever. And I think that in, in football, they changed it from maybe they could play in one game to maybe in the late 20-teens, you can now play in four games, you know, four out of 12 or something like that, which is a pretty good average before you, you would burn a season. Well, with basketball, and I understand that the NCAA is, is going to change this, but currently I don't think it's, I think it's the case that you'd think, you know, basketball, they play, you know, at least as many, twice as, as many games as football. And remember, football has four games that you can play in and still regain your, or retain your redshirt eligibility. With basketball, you want to take a guess how many games you can play in? currently I'll just tell you it saved time zero yeah but anyway they're going to change that because that just doesn't seem fair that's that's beyond annoying that's just bad policy so anyway they got on it and they're changing it speaking of changing now Jim got about five minutes let's talk some more about the history of Oregon's land use planning and you know, a lot of this came about because farmers were wanted to keep some land. It's a really uh, a, a really wonderful story, a very interesting one. Uh, and a couple of uh, other comments. One, first, I want to just tell listeners that it, I have a little brochure that I created a couple of years ago about about Oregon and, and how Oregon became Oregon. And I'd love to send you a copy if you're interested. And so, if you you can email me directly at Jim at northwoodsnursery.com send me your postal address and I'll stick one in an envelope and mail it to you. And if you don't get that address you can email the dirtbag at kboo.org and 
Make sure Jim gets that information. Yes, somehow or, or another, we'll we'll get it. We'll get you the the brochure, and I think you'd enjoy reading it. And uh, and uh, and Joe, our our sound engineer, uh, Will Joe Wilson, and I are working on a documentary, uh, which is a fascinating project, uh, basically talking about the history of Oregon land use planning, and it's uh, it goes back a long ways. But where we stopped talking last month was. Uh, when Senate Bill 100 was passed in 1973, and as I, I read the history of this, I'm, I'm reading it uh, right almost as we speak. The, it's it's uh, fascinating to me how all the, the farmers and all these people, how it was a challenge to do this. I mean, to say, okay, we are going to take all of this land, this farmland, and we're going to zone it. And we're going to say, you can do this with it. You can't do that. You can't build houses on it, or you can't build factories. You can you can do that only in these certain areas. And and part of Senate Bill 100, which was to establish urban growth boundaries. So around every city in Oregon, there's a boundary. And if you want to expand that boundary, you have to really work at it. And the boundary has, you have to have, it's. Uh, the boundary has to include, you know, growth for the next 20 years or something like that. That's right. You know, so, the, so, you know, there's not like they're ignoring growth. It's just they're planning for it. That's right. And that's the, you know, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. You know, land use planning. It was planning was the big deal. And those, and counties, uh, cities, they all had to have a plan for what was going to happen in their, in their, in their area. And if, if they didn't do it right, if they didn't do it in the way that the that what sh should be done, like say protecting farmland, then people brought suit against them. And uh, of course, in the beginning, this was for some people just totally anathema. I mean, mm -hmm. people, counties, you know, yeah, they, they still they, is, yeah, yeah <laughs> still is. But you know, now it's a little bit easier because <laughs> people we finally are doing it now for forty years, yeah. fifty, almost fifty years. But they, uh, so there was a group called 1,000 Friends that came into existence during the, when Tom McCall was governor and this 1,000 Friends role was to provide legal support for individuals, mm -hmm. farmers and so forth, uh, who were challenging the decisions made by the local government in particular. And, and uh, because of, of a local a farmer would have, didn't have the resources to do it on their own. So it was a really very important hmm. development uh, in in this in Oregon, maintaining its farmland and ranch land and forest land. So uh, since that bill was passed, and and the bill had these land use goals that are very very important, uh, and we'll be in our documentary we're going to be of course following up on all these things. But the citizen involvement was really important, and I personally was uh, the local chair of our community planning organization for about 10 years where we met uh, and, and we would any anybody who applied for some use uh, outside of the city uh, of the land their application would come to us and we would review it we mm -hmm. we fought several battles one one really big battle was the city of Malala wanted to expand in what was called an urban reserve, which was not exactly an urban growth boundary, but it was the beginning steps of that, uh, three times the size of the town. Hmm. Well, the reason, when you look at these applications, a lot of times it's somebody who's a friend of the mayor or a city council person or something, and they own some land and they think that they can make some money by putting houses on it. That's the people who are advocating for these kinds of 
uh, expansions of of cities and uh, and we we fought that and we fought it because there was no reason to expand the city of Malala three times as yeah. normal as current size and we won huh. because we had a good county commission that listened to the arguments but there's funny and then another battle we fought was uh, a, a gravel pit there was some farmland not far from where I live where they wanted to, to mine gravel out of that and they were gonna they were gonna leave a 60 acre lake after this mining huh. thing was done and and and, far, and gravel has kind of a special category in Oregon where it gets can, it can be kind of a priority uh, well we tried so we fought that battle too and it was it was kind of, it was really quite interesting at one point we were arguing that well you can't drive gravel trucks down these country roads and I laid down on the road and it took a we took a photograph of how wide the road really was <laughs> which was not very wide yeah and we went to a hearing in which the gravel advocates were talking about the company that wanted to do this was saying, well, we just take this overburden off, you know, and then we, we dig this hole and blah, blah, blah. And so when I got up to testify, I said, well, you know, you call it overburden, but people who farm the land, we call it fertile soil. <laughs> it's not a burden to us. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, anyway, those were, you know, some noteworthy battles we fought, but they, they continually happen. And, um, and I think next time, I don't know if we have time today, probably not to get into Measure 37, but that was... The, well, that, that'll be a good a good uh, jumping in point sure, for our next uh, get part. What's that going to be? Part 5. Yeah. Yeah. Measure, measure 37, yeah. Measure 37 was <clears throat> undoubtedly the worst uh, and biggest threat to our, our right. preservation of farmland, land yeah. use planning system. So. Okay. Well, remember, if you, you can write to the dirt bag at KBO dot org for and jim will send you a uh a brochure a brochure yep. on that so all right we're out of time that's our dirtbag show for february jim thank you that's jim gilbert of the liberal nook <laughs> thanks clint so the liberal nook of clackamas county it's got to be more <laughs> <laughs> and joe wilson of bergman productions uh running our our board that's it. We'll be back uh, once again in March, just exactly four weeks later, March 9th. That's right. So this is Glenn Andreessen. Thanks for listening. Oh, yes, we'll go out with our, our last tune. Thank you, Joe, for reminding us that. This is uh, Santana. We don't have to wait. Get on to pruning. Thanks for listening. Be well. KBOO Portland. Coming up next is Jazz Lives, right after these news headlines. Bienvenidos a un breve informativo en su estación comunitaria KBOO 90.7 FM. 
Hoy miércoles 9 de febrero del 2022, un asesor principal de la Organización Mundial de la Salud ha dicho que las cifras del COVID siguen siendo absolutamente asombrosas cuando se le preguntó si aprender a vivir con el coronavirus es peligroso. El doctor Bruce Elwood, asesor principal,